What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Drop Balls Podcast. Your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. Yes, you heard me right. I said your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. We are officially at episode 90. We are 10 episodes away from episode 100. And you know we're going to go crazy with episode 100. So hope you all sit back, enjoy these next 10 episodes. Um, just as much as you enjoyed the last last 89 episodes. Uh, hope you all are having a good week this far. Hope you all are able to get your sports fixed tonight. We got Thursday night football. We got NBA, college basketball. We got all of those things going on tonight. And hopefully you, you're able to get your sports fixed. You know I'm going to come up here and talk about the NFL, talk about this past week college football stuff that happened on championship weekend and give you all my takes, my predictions and all of the above. You know it's it's all football content. I do give y'all some NBA, some basketball content every now and then, but football is where the heart is. Football was the first love from from peewee all the way to college football. You know, I I played I played it all. So any everything besides the NFL, I played it all. So football is where the heart is. That's where the love is. So you know I'm going to give you that quality football content. But before we get started with this episode, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please do your boy a favor. Go down to the comments and review section and leave your boy that five-star rating. And also leave your boy some comments. Let me know what you like, what you dislike, what you want to hear more of. Um, you know, just, just all of the above. You know, give me that quality feedback so that way I can continue to give you all quality content. And if you listen on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcast from, please be sure to, to like and subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and family. Anybody that you know that loves sports, loves sports content, all of the above, just please share it with them so we can we can continue to get this thing rolling and pass it and passing it along. I also want to let you all know this episode is being brought to you by krathletics.com. King's Ransom Athletic Apparel. Please visit the website. Go get your dope athleisure gear. Um, you can work out in it. You can you can uh, you can lounge around in it. You can go out in it. Whatever it may be, it's cold outside. Go get your hoodie, your sweatpants, your crew neck, whatever it is that you wear. Go to KR Athletics. Pick it up. Use the code Drop Balls to get fifteen percent off of your first purchase and and more. Also, this episode is being brought to you by Thrive Fantasy App. If you like making prop bets, come prop up with us on Thrive Fantasy App. They take all of the guesswork, all of the research out of it because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in their respective sports. They got hockey. They got baseball. They got basketball. They got football. So you can really get to making this money with your boy. It is available on Apple, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. So click that link in the description. It'll take you to your, to your App Store. And you can download the app today. And when you sign up, be sure to use the code DROPBALLS20 because they will match you up to $50 on that initial deposit. Now, the minimum deposit is $20. So you put that $20 in. You use the code DROPBALLS20. Drop balls 20, they will match you $20. You put $30, they'll match you $30. You put $40, they'll match you $40, so on and so forth. So get to making this money with your boy. And you can make a king's ransom. And you don't really have to spend a king's ransom. So let's get to it. Um, so first off, let's get to the episode. So let's let's start off with college football. So 
This past weekend, we had championship weekend. We had the SEC championship. We had the Big 12 championship, the Big 10 championship. We had all of those going on this weekend. Um, and this weekend, with those championship games, there was a lot on the line for these teams, especially for, for Alabama, for Baylor and Oklahoma State. Uh, you had, who else? You had uh, Michigan versus Iowa. And so there was a lot on the line for these teams, and especially Cincinnati, because Cincinnati, we know, they came in ranked fourth in the college football playoff rankings. And so it was either win or you're out. And Oklahoma State, I'm pretty sure if they would have won their game, someone could have made a case for them to go in at number four over Cincinnati because it's a Power Five conference versus a, a, a mid-major college or a mid-major you know, conference college or whatever. So you could have probably made a, a, a state or not a statement, but you could have probably made a a uh, a case for Oklahoma State getting in over Cincinnati, especially if Oklahoma State would have won the Big 12 championship. But just so happens they did not win the Big 12 championship. They lost the game to or they lost the game to Baylor, who has beaten them twice this year because they beat them in the regular season and then they beat them in the conference championship. So Baylor, they're the Big 12 champions. And now I was saying, you know, if Baylor beat Oklahoma State, would that give them a case to make the college football playoffs if Cincinnati would have lost? Um, but it just so happened Cincinnati didn't lose. Cincinnati, they went out there, they handled business, they won twenty or thirty-five to twenty, beat Houston by fifteen points. Houston is ranked in the top twenty-five. They're twenty-one overall. So, you know, that gave them a case to stay into the college football playoff rankings. And then we had Michigan go out there and handle business against Iowa. It wasn't even close. It was forty-two to three. And, you know, I don't know if you all listened before, but I believe it was the, the episode I did before before the football season got rolling, before college football, before before NFL, before all of that got rolling, it was a Q&A episode where I just had people ask me questions, and I went on air and answered those questions. Um, one of the questions was, do I, and it was from C. Henry, Carlton Henry, the host of the Fellas Present Sports Rap Podcast. Go check it out. Real dope podcast. He really knows this stuff. College football, NFL, all of that. So go check it out. But he asked me the question, who do I think could be Alabama this year? Um, and I told him I really didn't think anybody. There's a few teams I could see that could beat Alabama, like Texas A&M. I know they beat uh, Alabama or Alabama beat them last year. But you, I could see Texas A&M beating them this year and Texas A&M, they beat them this year. Um, but I also said, you know, I could see Bama getting that win e easily as well and just running the table going undefeated. I also said that maybe Georgia, because they would see them in the conference championship, and I knew Georgia would be there. But we had the Alabama-Georgia game this weekend, and I even went to Twitter before the game. I want to say it was the week, the the I think it was like week 13, the end of week 13, and I even said, watch Alabama put 40 on this number one defense that everybody's been raving about with Georgia. Because Georgia hasn't seen an offense like Alabama. Yes, Georgia has played some pretty good teams in Kentucky and Arkansas. But as we as we've seen the year go on, Kentucky and Arkansas were more pretenders than they were contenders. And, you know, Georgia saw those teams and saw those offenses, but they haven't seen a team like Alabama all season. So to me, I think that their defensive stats were kind of overinflated. And I, I called that bluff. I called it out. 
I said Alabama would hang 40 on Georgia. And what did Alabama do? They came out and hung 41 on Georgia and held Georgia to 24 points. And, you know, you look back at it, and even against Texas A&M, Alabama hung 38 points on Texas A&M. Texas A&M was the fourth-ranked defense in the nation. And Alabama came out and hung 38 on them. Uh, Georgia, number one defense in the nation, was only allowing like 6.9 points a game or something like that. Like I said, they hadn't seen a team like Alabama. And, you know, all of the Georgia fans, they were raving like, oh, Georgia's going to blow out Alabama, this, that, and the third. And then as soon as this game was over and people started talking that shit back to them, they was like, oh, y'all just want to talk. Y'all were just waiting for that so y'all could talk trash. Blah, blah. Well, y'all were talking trash before the game. Like, before the game even came, y'all was out here talking about how Georgia was going to blow out Alabama. And it just so happens Alabama did blow out Georgia. Now, we will probably see them again in the national championship. It is going to be a tough task, though. Um, Georgia does have to play Michigan. Michigan, like I said, they handled business against Iowa. But they, the rankings committee left them at number two. They put Georgia at number three, Cincy at four, and, of course, Bama at number one. And so now we're going to have Bama versus Cincinnati. We're going to have Michigan versus Georgia. Now, I am interested to see how Bama fares against the Cincinnati defense. They aren't quite Georgia, but they are a solid defense. Now, Cincinnati has struggled with teams this season. Um, they, they've had their share of blowouts, but they've also struggled with some teams that they probably shouldn't have struggled with this season. So it's going to be interesting to see them versus Alabama. Their biggest win of the season was Notre Dame, and that was, I believe, like week four of the, of the college football season. And I think that was their best win of the season, and I think that's what the committee saw, and they held them in that position. Because even now, I think uh, Notre Dame is ranked number five in the nation, and people were trying to make a case that if one of them teams fell out, then because well before this past weekend Notre Dame was ranked six, but they were making a case that if teams fell out, Notre Dame could get their shot at at the national championship or the the college football playoffs. And while I'm talking about Notre Dame, I do want to take a minute to to give a big congratulations to Marcus Freeman, the new head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This is the only this is only the second time in that school's history that they've hired a black head coach. And now. You know how I feel about black coaches and about them getting their shots at these top tier, these top tier teams, these top tier, uh, these top tier positions in the coaching ranks. And they made him their head coach after after uh, uh, Brian Kelly left. They made him the head coach. And I think it was a good move for them. He's a players coach. The players love him. He has that defense in like top 10 in every statistical category that the defense can be in. Um, so hopefully we get to see him grow in that position and we get to see him have a bunch of success in Notre Dame. We know how it ended with the last black head coach. It, it really wasn't that good. So hopefully they give Marcus Freeman, you know, a, a pretty good chance. So that way he can prove his worth, prove what he, what he can do as the new head coach. He's young too. He's, I believe he's in his thirties. He's like 35 or something like that. So he's, he's very young. Um, so I'm glad that he gets this opportunity, gets this chance to show what he's all about and what he can do. Um, so a big shout out to him. And, and like I said, I wish him all of the success in the world over there in Notre Dame, unless they are playing the Miami Hurricanes. Then I hope they lose. They get blown out all of the above. I don't really want your success against that, against that team. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to it. So Alabama plays Cincinnati. So I, I would love to see that defense against Alabama's offense. I still think Bama wins this game. 
Um, Georgia and Michigan is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle. You know, Michigan loves to run the ball, and that fights, that plays right into Georgia's hand. They they love to stop the ball. Uh, they love to stop running backs and stop them from, from getting going. So it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan comes out against that Georgia front seven and see if they can – Established dominance with that with that offensive line. We already know Aiden Hutchinson on Mich- on Michigan's defensive line is going to get out to the quarterback, whether that be Stetson Bennett or that be J T. Daniels. We already know he's going to get out to the quarterback and try to try to get back in his face, get some sacks, um, and, and run up that stat line. So that you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I can't wait. Um, I'm excited for these college football playoffs. I'm excited for these bowl games that start, I believe, in like a couple weeks. Uh, I'm excited for all of that. So we're going we gonna, we gonna to get some good college football going forward. My Miami Hurricanes, we got a bowl game. I don't know what bowl, but we got a bowl game. We won over six games. We got a bowl game. Um, now let's get into this NFL. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on the past week's games uh what was it week 13 we're not going to spend a lot of time on that i did want to point out some some of these teams and some of these games that they that they've had we got the washington football team who's on a roll they've won i want i want to say like uh they won four out of the last four games they're on a four game win streak trying to make that case for the playoffs um they go on and take dallas this weekend i'll get to my picks a little bit later but they're going to take dallas this weekend and they they've been doing they've been playing some really good football lately and so hopefully they can continue that we had the Steelers and the Ravens and that came down to the wire it came down to the Ravens missing on a two-point conversion and you know I know I know some some people didn't like the two-point conversion um or the try to go for the two-point conversion but that that's who the Ravens are. We know the Ravens are a very aggressive team on fourth down, especially with Lamar Jackson. We know they're a very aggressive team. And I believe Jim Harbaugh came out at the end of the game and was saying because of the injuries that they had in the secondary, your best corner got hurt, Marlon Humphreys, who I believe they're going to lose for the season. Um, but he got injured. And so you didn't really want to put your defense back on the field after having to go with like your fourth and third or your third and fourth string corners, especially because you are you're already out, you're already down Marcus Peters, and then and then Marlon Humphreys gets hurt, who's arguably the best corner on that team. He gets hurt, and now you have to go out there with Averett, and I don't I don't know who the other corner who the other corners are, but and that's the thing like they're a bunch of no name guys, and you don't want to go back out there where the Steelers were already having success. They started having success. Deontay Johnson started finding his finding his groove. Big Ben started getting in his groove, and and they made it a game. So I mean, I'm not mad at them going for it on 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 the two point conversion. Uh, it has to be a better ball thrown by Lamar Jackson, but also Mark Andrews has to make that catch. You know, everything being a former receiver, we were always told you get your hands on it, you got to make the catch. You got to help your quarterback out. And so it wasn't the best throw, but it also wasn't the worst throw, and it was a very catchable ball. Um, I mean, he led Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews got – it looked like he got a full one hand on it. Like, it wasn't like it just hit his fingertips and, and went, you know, and he couldn't make the catch. No, it looked like that ball hit the palm of his hands, and, you know, that's what happened. And, I mean, before that play, for the touchdown to to, to – get them into this position. Lamar made a hell of a throw to Sammy Watkins in the back of the end zone, just threaded the needle with, with pinpoint accuracy and threaded the needle for, for Sammy Watkins. So, like I said, it, it could have it been a better throw, 
But at the same time, Mark Andrews has to catch that ball. It hit his hands. It hit the palm of his hands. He has to catch that ball. Um, so I, I'm not mad at them going for it. I think they should have kicked the field goal or the extra point. But at the same time, I understand the the uh, I understand what with John Har or Jim Harbaugh no John Harbaugh was going through with uh, with making that decision because you know you don't you don't want anybody else to get injured you you try you probably want to end the game as quickly as you can because you don't want to risk anybody else getting injured especially with all the injuries that you have in your secondary on your defense and on that offense with all the running backs that have came and gone um so that that was a really good game but we already know what we're going to get out of the Ravens and the Steelers it's always going to be a good game um it's always going to be a dog fight so we already know what we're going to get out of those two teams then we had the Seahawks and the 49ers and it was a very sloppy game. Um, it wasn't really good football being played between the Seahawks and the 49ers. The Seahawks did pull the game out, um, but it came with a cost because they lost Jamal Adams for the rest of the season and with a shoulder injury. So the game came with a cost. Um, and that defense that has already been uh, – I'm not going to say they've been a bad defense because they really haven't been a bad defense. Yes, their last – you know, they're they're terrible in the passing game. They're terrible in the run game. But they're really a bend but don't break defense. They don't let up a lot of points. And they may give up a lot of yards, but they don't let up a lot of points. And for a defense that's been on the field, that, that's usually on the field the majority of the game, this game they actually had a really good balanced, uh, you know, time of possession because I think the Seahawks had, yeah, they, they had the ball 33 minutes to to San Francisco's I want to say 26 minutes. So they they had a they had a very good clock management time of possession. They did good in that standpoint. And now the Seahawks are 4 and 8. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. The defense takes a huge blow losing Jamal Adams. I know I give Jamal Adams crap calling him blitz boy all of this and all that. But at one point, I did really like Jamal Adams. It's just because he plays for the Seahawks that I got to hate on him. But he is a blitz boy. I mean, he does blitz a lot. Like, that's what he does. He blitzes a lot. Um, but he, I mean, he has some holes in the coverage, you know, back in coverage. But he he's still a, he's still a baller. Like, I mean, he's still going to go out there and make plays when you need him to make plays. But so that's a huge blow to that defense. Um, I think they're... Uh, the next guy that comes in is Neil, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, Ryan Neal. I think that's the next the next guy up at safety to be back there with Quandre Diggs. But that that's a huge blow to that defense is is losing Jamal Adams because he he brings the energy. Him and Quandre Diggs back there, they bring the energy. They they hit. They're not afraid to come down and make tackles in the box um, against running backs and and all of that. So that that's a huge hit for them. But the Seahawks, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs at this point. What we're 13 or four, 12 games through the season for them. I don't know if they really have the chance to make the playoffs. Now, they could go rattle off some wins. Um, they play the Texans next, which I expect them to win that game. But then they got to play the Rams. They they play the Bears. I'm not sure if they can win that game versus the Bears. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, they play the Lions. I, I see that as a dub, even though the Lions did go out there and beat the Minnesota Vikings last week or this past week. Um, I, I still think that Seattle can beat the Lions. Um, but then the last game of the season, they play the, they play the Cardinals. So to realistically, they could rattle off three of the last five 
you know, against the Texans, the Bears, and the Lions, realistically. But I don't think they'll I don't think they'll beat the Rams. And I don't think they'll beat the Cardinals. So if they rattle off three of the last five, that puts them at seven and what, seven and ten. So yeah, they're 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 not gonna make the playoffs. It, from the way it's looking, they're not gonna make the playoffs unless they just have some incredible run with these last five games and they just rattle off five wins and finish the season nine and eight. Um, but still, I don't know if that gets them into the playoffs. And this is one of the teams I wanted to talk about. We got the Denver Broncos. They played the Chiefs. They lost 22 to 9. And before the season, I even said the Denver Broncos, this team, this offense is reminiscent of the 2013 offense. The only issue I had was the quarterback position. And I was critical of Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, as the season started, they started off 3 and 0. Teddy was balling. I was like, "Oh, you know, let me let me draw back some of that criticism." Um, but as the season continued to go, Teddy, Teddy has, he's been good or he's, he's been a good, uh, game manager. Um, like I said, this offense has that quality of the 2013 offense, but they need a quarterback. You have the receivers, you have the running backs, um, you have the tight ends. So if you remember that offense in 2013, it was led by Peyton Manning. They had Demarius Thomas. They had uh, they had uh, Eric Decker. They had the the other tight end. I believe his last name was Thomas as well. Um, and Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas both had over 1,200 yards receiving. Uh, the tight end he had I want to say like 700 yards, 600 yards receiving. Every receiver on that team besides the tight end, we're not counting tight ends, but every receiver that played, I think they had like three receivers that were over 700 yards. You had Wes Welker, who had over 700. You had uh, Demarius Thomas, who had like, I believe, over 1,200. You had Eric Decker that had over 1,400. All of them had double-digit touchdowns. They all had double-digit touchdowns. And I believe this offense could be that. You have Tim Patrick, who is I talk about him all the time. I went to school with this dude. I've seen it firsthand, played football with him. He was the receiver, the outside receiver for the Grossmont, Grossmont College Griffins um, in, in El Cajon, California. We played football together. He went to Utah, played there. And with Denver, you know, he's come on strong the last two seasons, especially last year when Denver lost Cortland Sutton. Um, Tim went out there and showed what he had. They extended him. And now he's he's a he's for sure a Denver Bronco, um, but when you look at Cortland Sutton, you look at Tim Patrick, look at Jerry Judy, you look at Noah Fant, they have those weapons where this offense could really take off. And so Cortland Sutton, I mean, he has 600 yards. Tim has 500. You got Jerry Judy who missed a lot of a lot of the season. He has 300. Um, but when you look at your receivers. And combined, your receivers only have seven touchdowns. So Jerry Judy doesn't have any touchdowns, but you have Tim that has four. You have Cortland Sutton that has two. And then you have uh, Kendall uh, Hinton that has one. And then you have who else? Who else we got in here that has a touchdown? Uh, there's somebody else in here that has a touchdown. Uh, but when you look at these receivers, oh, no, that's it. That's it. My bad. It's, it's seven. So you, you have three receivers, and th- with those three receivers, is seven touchdowns. That's it. Then you have your tight end that has three touchdowns. You got your running backs that got like I believe three combined with uh Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon. Oh no, four combined because Melvin has two and then Williams has two receiving touchdowns. Your quarterback only has 17 touchdowns on the season. 
for me, that's a problem. Or my bad. 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, so for me, that's a problem. That lets me know that it's not necessarily that he's not pushing the ball downfield, but he's just not throwing the ball into the end zone. Yes, he throws – and this, is, this was my gripe with Teddy Bridgewater before the season. Yes, he throws the ball to where the receiver can get a lot of catch and run. They can get a lot of yak because he's going to throw the ball. He's not going to, he's not going to throw into tight windows. Um, he's going to – not saying that he doesn't – he just waits for you to get wide open because he doesn't. He, he has anticipation. I will, I will give Teddy Bridgewater that. He has great anticipation, but he's not going to throw you into, into tight windows. Um, and he's not really going to put the ball in harm's way. Now, granted, he has seven interceptions, but like I said, I mean, they played 12 games. That's less than an interception a game. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Um, and I believe it was, on, it was really one game where he had a bunch, like he had like three or four. So, I, so that's his, most of his interceptions came out, out of one game. Um, but the thing about Teddy Bridgewater, he's, he's going to, your receivers are going to get a lot of yak because you're going to be able to catch and run. But the thing is, is when you get into the red zone and you have to throw in those tight windows, he doesn't make those throws. He'd rather take the underneath stuff. And most of the time, the underneath stuff's going to get stopped at the goal line. It's going to get stopped at the five or, you know, the four, wherever, anywhere between the five and the goal line. And you're not you're not really going to get those touchdowns that you're that you're looking for because he's not going to throw into those tight windows. Um, Cortland, there's no reason Cortland Sutton should only have two in, or two touchdowns. Tim Patrick shouldn't only have four touchdowns. Jerry Judy has zero. Now, like I said, he's only played six games, so I understand. You know, he's still he's still kind of getting going. Um, but this is the problem. I this is the problem I had where with Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback. I didn't think this offense could be explosive, and once again, I didn't. I don't think it. I don't think Drew Locke is the answer. I'm not saying Drew Locke is the answer, and I, but I'm also not saying he isn't because he could be. But we don't really at at this point this season we don't really know. Now I, I know you can go off of what he's done in his past years, but at this point this season we don't really know if Drew Locke has finally put it together. Because I mean, he's a young quarterback. And, I mean, he's only been in the league, I want to say, three years. Um, the first year he played five games. Second year he played 13. So that's where we, that's where we got the, the bulk of what he could do or what he may be able to do or whatever. And, um, I mean, 2020 wasn't a good year for him. I mean, he was 200, 254 completions, 443 attempts, 57.3 completion percentage, 2,900 yards, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But that year, I mean, that year was weird for everybody, for, for everybody. And, you know, you had players that came out here and put up crazy stats, but then you also had players that just didn't look right because, the, like I said, the year was crazy. He missed some time because of the whole COVID thing that happened with Denver with the quarterbacks. And that whole season was just riddled with with weirdness um then this year he's played two games and although those two games have not been really good he doesn't really have I mean he's 16 for 28 57.1 percent completion percentage um 139 yards zero touchdowns two interceptions so with Drew Locke that's one of the things we do know he's going to turn the ball over because I mean even when you look back at the 2019 season now that was Arguably his best statistical season. He only played five games, but he had a 64.1 completion percentage, a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. So it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um, 
But what we've seen over the course of the past two seasons have not been really that good. Um, but like I said, we don't know if he's fully put it together yet because has he really gotten a fair has he really gotten his first shot? Right? Has he really gotten his his chance? Now, we're not in we're not in the Denver locker room. We we're not out there on the practice field. So we don't know what he's actually doing on the practice field. And maybe Vic Fangio, he he knows better. But also at the same time, I think Vic chose Teddy Bridgewater because it was the safer pick for him and he could save his job. But from the looks of this season, Vic may be out after this season because I don't know if there's if there's any saving his job when you have all of this talent on the offense and you have no offensive production. And that's mainly because the quarterback is not getting the, the ball to these, to these receivers. He's not getting the ball to his receivers in the end zone. Um, I mean, he's averaging 7.3 yards a, 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 a pass, a completion. So that's, that's not bad. I'm not, in, I'm not bashing that at all. That's not bad at all. Um, but he's not getting the ball to his receivers in the end zone. They're not scoring enough. They, when, you, when we look at the stats, let's look at the team stats on, on points because that's kind of how you can tell what your offense looks like. Um, so let's look at points per game. And if we look at Denver and points per game, they are where, – where are they at? Here we go. So they are 31, 30. 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24. They are 23rd in the NFL in points per game. That's not a really good offense. Carolina Panthers, the 24th, his former team, they're 24th. That's not a good offense. They're only averaging 19.7 points per game. I mean, you're not, you're not going to win many games only averaging 19.7 points per game, especially when your defense, because their their defense is pretty solid. I will, I will give them that. Their defense is pretty good. Their defense is giving up 18.2 points per game. But let's let's look at this Tampa Bay team. So we go look at the season. We got the New York Giants gave up 13. The Jaguars, 13. The Jets, 0. The Ravens scored 23. The Steelers scored 27. The Raiders scored 34. The Browns scored 17. Washington only scored 10. Cowboys scored 16. Eagles scored 30. Chargers scored 13. And then you had the Chiefs that scored 22. So the bulk of the teams that were scoring those eight, those 18.2 points per game were the teams that are bottom feeders in the NFL, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets. Uh, I, I, the Browns aren't really bottom feeders. We really don't know much about the Browns right now. Uh, but Washington... Cowboys, to me, that was an anomaly. I don't really think, you know, if you play that game back again, the Cowboys aren't losing that game, especially not no 30 to 16. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're bottom feeders. So you got, like I said, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, bottom feeders. And that, that's really what set that tone for where we are with that 18.2 points per game because everybody else that are contenders or, like, in the race, they scored over 20 points. So, you know... I don't know if Vic really saved his job after that. He, he might he might be out after this season. The Denver Broncos are sitting at six and six. While they had a chance to win the the AFC West, I don't think they will. Um, I don't think they will even come close. I think honestly think they'll finish at the end of the at the end of the division or the end of the yeah the end of the division. Um, but I, I mean, like I said, I was critical of Teddy Bridgewater and and 
and him not being the guy for that offense, I apologized after the first three games, not realizing that those first three games were really going to be against bottom feeders um, because I didn't really expect the Giants to be as bad as they are. I knew the Jaguars would suck. I knew the Jets would suck, but I thought Denver could put it together when they came to play some of these contending teams, and they haven't. They haven't. So we're we're back on the train where Teddy Bridgewater just isn't the guy. He's not the guy. I don't know if Drew Locke is the guy, but they might they may not have the guy in that in that QB room, and that's okay. But for sure, for sure, Teddy Bridgewater is not the one, and it sucks because I want to see Teddy Bridgewater do good. I want to see him be uh, what he was going to be before that gruesome knee injury that he suffered in, in practice. Because I thought he was he was trending upward with Minnesota before he got injured. And then you just never, we just really never seen him recapture that magic, um, recapture that magic that he had from that that year with Minnesota. Now, granted, he didn't throw a ton of touchdowns then either, but I don't know. He he just had a magical season, and it looked like he was he was really trending upward. Um, that and that was the best season statistically of his career, to be honest. Um, but we we just never seen him get back to that point after that gruesome knee injury. So. It it sucks because like I said, I want him to be good, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Like I said, this this episode isn't gonna be long, so we're gonna go ahead and get to um oh yeah, I, I do wanna talk about this Saints game because I wanna talk about Taysom Hill. He's definitely not the guy. I, I said Teddy Bridgewater may not be the guy, but or he's not the guy. Taysom Hill for sure is not the guy. Um while early it looked like you know, he was coming out there making some throws when he needed to, making some plays. Um, and then I want to say, like, <laughs> with four minutes or maybe it was four minutes left in the fourth quarter. This man just went on a turnover spree like he was in the charitable, charitable mood. Uh, it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. He was he was trying to give back to his community. Um, he just kept on interception at the interception at the interception. He ended the game with four interceptions and two touchdowns. Now, granted, he did his damage on the ground. He had 11 carries for 101 yards. I believe there was a drive where it just looked like they were just dropping back, running QB draw, that whole drive. And it was working. So I don't know why you go away from it, but it was working. So just continue to do it. But no, they wanted to continue to throw the ball. Um, I don't know why Sean Payton has such a hard on for Taysom Hill, but he's not the guy in New Orleans. So New Orleans is going to have to find them another quarterback. Now, you know, there's been names like... Russell Wilson being thrown out there for New Orleans, for the New York Giants, and for the the Denver Broncos. And some people are like, "Well, why the Giants? Why the Denver Broncos?" Once again, that Denver's that Denver Broncos team, that offense is stacked. Their offensive line is better than Seattle's. I think their receivers are comparable to Seattle's receivers. Noah Fant is a better tight end than uh, Gerald Everett. I think Gerald Everett's pretty good, but. Noah Fant is a better tight end than Gerald Everett. Um, that offensive line, like I said, is better than Seattle's. There's a whole lot of reasons on why Denver makes sense for Russell Wilson. The defense is better than than Seattle's defense. And that defense is going to continue to get better because they have the young pieces. Um, so it Denver makes a lot of sense. New York makes sense from a standpoint of the market. It's a big market franchise. You're in New York. Your, your wife is a, a superstar. You're a superstar. What better places to be than New York or California? L.A. specifically. But 
you you go to New York, you're gonna make a lot of money. Is it's not necessarily a football move. It's more so a uh, uh, you know, just a career move. And and to be honest, when you look at New York's football team, when you look at their offense, their offense is pretty good as well. They don't have the offensive line. Uh, they do need the offensive line, but they have the defense. I think their defense is pretty solid. Um, they have the talent on offense. You just have to get the right quarterback in that situation. And so Russell Wilson going to New York, it it makes sense. It's a it's a move for him and his wife's career versus really a a football off the field career, I should say, for Russell Wilson off the field um, more than really a football move. But Denver makes a ton of sense just because from a football standpoint, Denver makes a ton of sense. Um, the Saints make a ton of sense as well from a football standpoint because you look at that defense, you look at the weapons on offense. Really, I mean, the the offensive line and and the running game, I would say, is the the biggest weapon that he would have over there. And if Mike Thomas ever comes back, then you have him as well. But the receivers, you got to get him some more weapons on the on the outside. You got to get him some more receivers um, because the the ones they have, <laughs> they're not going to work. Um, but those three teams, they make sense. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe those three teams go after Russell Wilson next year or the, after the off or during the off season is going to be the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. Because I don't I don't believe Russ stays in Seattle past this season. I think it's time for him to go, um, start anew. Uh, time for Seattle to let him go and, and refresh, um, get some get some draft picks. You know, get get something for him because they gave up a lot for Jamal Adams, and so some way you have to recoup. You have to recoup those. You have to start retooling that defense, um, retooling that offensive line. Get a rookie quarterback in there. Get you a running back, and and find that success that you had when Russ was on that rookie deal. When Russ was fresh in the league, and you had that legion of boom. You had Marshawn Lynch toting the rock. Like that's the, that's where Pete Carroll had his success. This drop back and throw 50 times, 30 times, whatever, that doesn't work for them. That doesn't work for Seattle um, and the offense that Pete Carroll likes to have. He likes to have that run game. He's not like a Nick Saban that can adjust, um, that can adapt. He still believes in the old school way of football, which nothing wrong with that. We just saw a team run, throw the ball three times and win a football game, run the ball 40 times and win a football game. Like nothing's wrong with that. Um and so, but I, I don't think that Pete Carroll and them have the team to do that right now. Um, and I don't think they have the quarterback that can go win you games throwing the ball 40 times a game either. I don't think Russell Wilson's that type of quarterback. I do think he needs a great deal of balance. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. Um, he's good. He's solid. But he's not those guys that can just go get it done with his arm. Um Seattle wants to run the ball and look for the big plays. And so that's, you know, it's it's time to rebuild because when you do that, you keep your defense on the on the field a lot. Um, and and so it's time for them to retool. Retool, rebuild, send Russ packing, um, trade them, get some some draft capital and and free up that free up that contract as well, but get you some draft capital and retool that defense, retool that offensive line, get you that running game back. Get you a rookie quarterback that's not going to make any mistakes, but will make plays for you when they need to make plays. That's what Russell. That's what Russell Wilson did early in his career, and it worked. It worked. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with dropping back um, and just handing the ball off. The Patriots did that to the Bills forty times on Monday Night Football, 
And granted, it was very windy, but the Patriots did that 40 times and they won that game 14 to 10 because they believed in that defense. That defense made plays when they needed to, and they ran they ran the air out of the ball. It it works. 1930s football can still be played in 20 in 2021, man. It, it can still be played in 2021 and it can still be effective. It can still be very effective. Um, so let's get to these picks. So we got week 14 coming up, and we have Thursday night game tonight. We got the Steelers versus the Vikings. I am taking the Steelers in this game. Um, all of these are subject to change. I will let y'all know that it's subject to change. If you follow me on Twitter, I change my picks all the time. So y'all definitely need to follow your boy on Twitter, at DropBallsPod, so that way you can get up on these picks. But anyway, I'm taking the Steelers tonight over the Vikings. I don't trust the Vikings after they lost to the Lions. Um, and I guess this is time for them to start going through their debacle. Um, I can't count Mike Tomlin out. He hasn't had a losing season. And even with Big Ben playing the way he's been playing, they've still been able to rattle off some wins. So I'm going with the Steelers tonight, especially because Adam Thielen is hurt. So you, all you have now is Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook may play this play tonight. But we don't know. He's trying to give it a go after dislocating his shoulder. So we'll see what happens there. Um, he might not be that effective, but I believe that the Steelers will get their run game going. And they will make plays when they need to to win this game. Um, then we have the Ravens and the Browns. We saw that last game where the Ravens had uh, – the Ravens and the Browns just accounted for a lot of turnovers. Lamar Jackson, I think, had four turnovers that game, four interceptions. Um, and the Ravens still were able to pull off that game. But now the Browns – have an opportunity to win this game. And I'm picking the Browns to win this game. It is at home. Um, Ravens defense is beat the hell. And the Browns, they're coming off of a bye week, got some time to get Baker a little healthy, um, get that shoulder a little healthy and everything. So I think they come out and they win this game. Um, and I think it'll it'll actually be on the back of on the arm of Baker Mayfield because they're going to attack that that defense that secondary. They're going to attack that secondary with their receivers. And I think the Browns are going to win this game. We saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt didn't have didn't do a lot the last game against the Ravens because they I mean the Ravens they they're run stoppers. They're going to do what they do. Um, but I think Cleveland comes out and wins this game on the arm of Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to get it done. Baker is going to have his share of turnovers. But I think they still win this game. Um, Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to ball, but I just think it's going to be too much because of that defense. That defense is going to be um, – it's it's on a crutch. We got the Jaguars and the Titans. I'm picking the Titans to win this game. This is very well a game that the Titans could lose, but I think the Titans will win this game. They're coming off of a bye week. Um, they have a chance to get healthy. Their running backs had a chance to get healthy. They just put up like 240 yards against the Patriots not too long ago. Um, the only issue was they had four turnovers. So, I mean, they fumbled the ball. They 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 threw interceptions. They I mean, that was the issue with the game. And you're not going to beat good teams turning the ball over. It's the same that I said about the Colts versus the Buccaneers. We had the lead. We turned the ball over. You don't beat good teams turning the ball over four times. So I think the Titans get back on track. They win this game against the Jaguars at home. Um, this is a game they can lose, but I think they take this game, and I think they take this game easily. We got the Raiders and the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs winning this game. I, I made a mistake and picked against the Chiefs last week against the, the Denver Broncos. I'm not making that mistake again. They look like they're back on track. That defense looked like it has definitely improved. Um, offense still ain't really putting up a lot of – they didn't put up a lot of points last week. They put up 22, which isn't bad, but that was against a really good defense. Um, like I said, that defense only allows like 18.2 points a game. So they put up 22 against a really good defense. Um, but I think they beat the Raiders easily. 
Then we got the Saints and the Jets. I don't care who's starting at quarterback for the Saints. I like them to win this game um, against the Jets. It, it's just that simple. The Jets aren't really good. Zach Wilson's still a rookie. He's still going to make his rookie mistakes. Um, and I think the Saints win this game easily. All right, and we have now we have the uh, Washington football team versus the Dallas Cowboys. They are in Maryland. Um, and this may be my upset of the week. I'm picking the Washington football team to beat the Dallas Cowboys. The NFC East is wide open. And with this win, Washington puts themselves right there in that conversation. Um, you know, the Cowboys had this had this division sewn up. Like they they were on track to just win this division heavily and, and not even give them not even give anything, any other team a chance. And before the season, I said Washington football team could win this division. I actually I picked them to win this division. And it's looking like that could happen. That could very well happen, especially if Washington wins this game at home versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dallas Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites, um, which means that Vegas really doesn't have that much confidence in Washington because usually, you know, when you're at home, you're automatically a three-point favorite. You automatically get three points. But the fact that they're giving – that's like a seven-and-a-half-a-point swing for Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm picking Washington to win this game. They're six-and-six. Dallas is eight and four, and if they win this game, Dallas moves down to eight and five, and Washington moves up to seven and six. I like the chances for Washington. They're on a four-game win streak. Tyler Heineke, he is—he doesn't have the strongest arm. I mean, he he can make some of the throws, like he can make a lot of the throws. Doesn't have the strongest arm, but he can make plays. He makes plays, and Dallas, man, I just—I said this on, I believe, on Facebook or on uh, Twitter. Dallas reminds me of the 2020 Seahawks. Um, if you remember the Seahawks, they started the season 5-0 before their bye week. And that offense was playing lights out. Everybody had Russell Wilson in the MVP conversation. Um, defense was still terrible, but they were winning games because offense was very potent. And offense could go out there and put up points like with a quickness. Um, and then after the bye week, we saw the defense tick up and we saw the offense take a huge step back. And this is kind of where I see the Dallas Cowboys. They started the season five and one. They had a bye week. And after the bye week, you just saw the offense go on a down tick. But you saw the defense rise up. But you saw the offense go down on a down tick. So, I mean, if you listen to this, so like Tampa Bay, they put up 29. They put up, they put up 20 against the Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Then they put up 41 against the Philadelphia Eagles. They put up 36 against the Carolina Panthers. They put up 44 against the New York Giants and 35 against the New England Patriots. So when you look at when you look at those uh, those scores, 35, 44, uh, 36, 41, 20, and 29, and you divide that by six, they were averaging 34 points per game in in that span. Now we take a look at the last what six games. Last six games, they played Minnesota, Denver, Atlanta, Kansas City, Las Vegas, and New Orleans. Their highest scoring game was 43 points against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, we, look at, we look at this. They scored 20. They scored 16 against Denver. They scored 43 against Atlanta, 9 against Kansas City, uh, 33 against Vegas, and 27 against New Orleans. Um, and you divide that by six, it's down to 24 points, 24.6 points per game. The offense has taken a huge step back. Zeke doesn't really look good. Um, we know he he has an injured knee. He has an injured knee. Um, 
And over the last four games, Pollard has been the leading rusher. And he, it's not by a lot. Like, I mean, he has 42 yards, 50 yards, 36 yards, and then the last game against New Orleans, 71 yards. Where when you look at it before, their rushing stats have been down the past six games. You look at it at the beginning of the season, uh, Zeke against Tampa Bay led the game with 33 or led the team with 33 rushing yards. But we know that because how they their game plan against Tampa Bay, they just dropped back and threw the ball. Um, but against the Chargers, they had a, uh, Pollard had 109 yards. Against the Eagles, Zeke had 95. Carolina, Zeke had 143. New York, Zeke had 110. New England, Zeke had 69. So when you look at those first six games compared to the last six, offense has just not been has just not been the same. Um, like I said, you go from what was it? I believe what I, what I say, 34 points. Um, yeah, you go you you drop back 10 points per game. You go from averaging 34 points per, I guess you can say nine points per game because 24.6. So you go from 34 points per game to 24.6 points per game. Offense has taken a huge step back after the bye week. And it's like I said, this is the same thing we saw with the Seattle Seahawks last year where first first five weeks of the season, they were going crazy. Last, last part of the season after the bye week, not so much. Um, so I, I like Washington to win this game, and I think they're going to upset the Dallas Cowboys at home. Well, Dallas ain't at home, but Washington is. So I think they're going to upset the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I would put money on this game on the, on the on the line. Like I would take Washington on the money line, um, or actually I would even take Washington on the points, the money line, all everything. I would take Washington. Um, that's that's just me personally. Um, then we got the Falcons and the Panthers. I really don't know who to pick <laughs> with this game. This is really a toss-up. I think I'm going to just uh, – I think in this game, I'm going with uh, the Panthers. I think they just fired Joe Brady, so they're going to try to they're gonna try to show some things on offense this week and show how Joe Brady was holding them back, I think. Because, um, you know, they said Matt Rule and Joe Brady had differences in offensive philosophy that uh, – Matt Rule wants to run his offense where it's it's a run-first offense versus a pass-first offense. Joe Brady just wants to throw the ball and score a lot of points. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I got the Panthers winning this game at home against the Atlanta Falcons. We got the Seahawks versus the Texans. Easy easy road win for the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks travel well. Um, I mean, they haven't really traveled that well this season. They're 2-4 and four on the road. They're like 1-4 and four at, or 2-4 and four now at home as well. So they're just they're not really a good team this season, but I think they're good enough to beat the Texans. They have all the makings to beat the Texans. So I, I like Seattle in that game. We got the Lions and the Broncos. Uh <laughs> the Lions just upset Minnesota. They're gonna be riding that high, but I think the Broncos handle business at home. Um, and I think they beat the Lions. I don't know about this 10 point uh spread, but I still like the Broncos against the Lions. We got the Giants versus the Chargers. Now, this game is hard to pick because I don't know if – I know Keenan Allen won't be playing, but I don't know if Mike Williams or Chris Harris Jr. are not playing as well. And if they're not playing, I like the Giants' odds to win this game. Um, if Mike Williams and Chris Harris are playing, then I'm definitely going with the Chargers. At this point, I just can't make a decision. So, like I said, follow me on Twitter. I will give you my updates on who I pick with this game. Um Bengals versus the 49ers. I'm riding with the Bengals to win this game against the 49ers. We saw the 49ers didn't really play too well um, last week against the Seattle Seahawks. It was a very sloppy game, riddled with turnovers and just poor just poor execution 
in plays and play calling, really, in my opinion. Um, but I, I like the Bengals to win this game. Uh, I said it last week. Either the Bengals win big or they lose big. There's no in-between with the Bengals. And if you look back at their schedule, that's that's just how it is. Uh, I mean, besides the beginning of the year, they've really blown out teams. And then they've lost by being pretty much blown out. Um, but I like the Bengals to, to, win, to beat the 49ers this week. Um, we got the Bills and the Buccaneers. I'm taking the Bills. The Buccaneers' pass defense is not that good. And we know the Bills like to throw the ball. So I think that's going to be a really good game. And they're in Tampa, so you're not going to get all that that crazy-ass wind and snow and sleet and everything falling. Um, so I like the Bills to play to win this game in Tampa against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, then Sunday night, we got the Packers and the Bears. I'm riding with the Packers. Uh, Justin Fields is making his return to Sunday night football. He is cleared to play on Sunday night, but I still like the Packers in Lambeau. Um, to win this game. Aaron Rodgers said he owns them, and rightfully so, he does. Uh, Monday night, we got the Rams and the Cardinals. The Cardinals are playing the Rams at home. Last time the Cardinals played the Rams, it was uh, it was total annihilation. It wasn't a good game. The Rams got destroyed 37-20. to 20. I'm taking the Rams in this game. I think they get on track. And I think they win this game and still show that they are contenders in this league this season. Um, Matthew Stafford hasn't played really well the last few games. Now, he did have a really good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're just going to leave it at that. But I think they win this game. I think he reestablishes himself in this MVP race because it's still wide the hell open. Um, But I think they go out there and they win this game against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, it's just as simple as that. Quiet as cut. But those are my picks for week 14. Um, let me know what you all think about those picks. Follow your boy on Twitter at DropBallsPod. That's all I have for you all today. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you all have a good, safe weekend, um, able to enjoy Thursday night football and then everything that this weekend brings, all the sports this weekend brings. And week 14 is officially here. But y'all be easy. And until next time, peace. <laughs>